There we go. Hello and welcome to the uh, podcast today. I'm Anthony Santa. Once again, talking to that Dr. guy, Michael Smith. Michael, uh, Michael, and I are here to uh, bring you up to date with uh, some important information uh, with regards to uh, COVID-19. Uh, Michael uh, wanted to uh, get together and talk about uh, things and bring you up to date with how things are going currently. Uh, so we're just going to uh, drop right into that. Michael, um, where do you want to start with the conversation today? Uh, the conversation I want to begin with is that we're now in a position in most developed countries in the world. Some countries are behind, some countries are ahead. But what we're really needing to focus on is what matters now that people are tending towards going into isolation and why those distinctions need to be made, why certain practical uh, actions like the way uh, we clean ourselves, the way we maintain what we would call medical or infectious barriers are actually very important. So uh, that's one of the big things is what's really happening in the context of how these kinds of pandemics move through uh, well, the world and where we're at now and where we think we're at and what we should really start focusing on because in my experience right now, the tipping point is in the next few days for people to do this right or to keep kind of stepping back and negotiating with some very important things, which will actually drag this out and risk a, a second and third bloom of this particular virus. Well, I think it's important to um, uh, understand uh, where you're coming from when uh, we talk about um, these, uh, these ideas that you have to share today. Uh, I think... Uh, most of our listeners may know who you are um, uh, with one regard, but you do have a, a broad uh, area of expertise. Um, and without uh, taking up too much time, do you want to sort of highlight why it is, uh, and I'm saying that kind of facetiously, but I'm also serious. I know you have a lot of, a lot of skills to talk about, but yeah, I'm do you trying want to find the appropriate facial expression for, uh, this isn't one of those things I ever really planned on talking about a lot in a big public way. It's not that I'm embarrassed or, or anything, but it's just, you know, it adds a certain uh, kind of opinion to people. So here, here's something that a lot of people don't know about me. So between 2008 and 2012, I studied and became an emergency preparedness consultant. And I did part of that through the PEP, or Provincial Emergency Preparedness Program in British Columbia, Canada. And then I just taught a lot of different kinds of courses from standard emergency preparedness to how to store food. And I also have a background in wilderness survival and stuff like that. So it became kind of my fun hobby because, you know, 2008, there was a crash and uh, friends of mine thought 2012 was going to be a big year. And for me, I'm actually a person who really likes to solve big puzzles. So when that opportunity kind of came up in, in my circle of influence and people would, would ask, like, what should we do if there's an economic collapse? What should we do? You know, whatever 2012 meant seemed kind of more apocalyptic. But, um, you know, here we are with a global pandemic, which may or may not be as bad as some people think and it may be worse than what some people think. But during those years, uh, and this is probably some of the scariest things I've ever had, well, chosen to put in my mind, in order to become uh, certified around emergency preparedness, you actually have to study calamities, economic catastrophes, environmental catastrophes, uh, civil wars, and all kinds of other stuff. 
to understand the kind of mobile dynamics of large human populations in different kinds of cities with different kinds of topography and all of that. And for me, it was kind of like a more alive and kind of high risk game of chess because at the time I hadn't really taken it seriously in the sense that, uh, you know, it's actually for real going to happen, but I had taken it serious enough to start training in things and training other people in things just to work out the mechanics and, and, and the puzzle pieces. And it was comforting to know, well, I've got a year's worth of food. I can start fires with sticks. I can get water from anywhere. Um, you know, fun things like that. And the best ways to store mobilized food were interesting and what to do if you had to leave your house or your city or whatever. So it was just, again, for me, a fun puzzle. But here we are now in March of uh, 2020 with most large countries in the first stage of pandemic isolation. And it's pretty serious in the sense that if it isn't done 100% to the best of each of our ability, it's going to tend towards more severe quarantine, more severe punitive behavior through the government to control crowds and movement and stuff. Yeah, well, I think it's um, uh, a topic that most people don't really have a sense of uh, how, to, how to grasp this whole concept uh, of uh, a global pandemic, let alone uh, what to do in emergency situations. And so I just wanted to be uh, clear for uh, our listeners uh, so they get a sense that you actually have that sort of perspective, you know, the perspective, uh, the bigger picture as to how this all sort of relates, and, you know, and then the sort of on the ground kind of picture as well. So um, there's not any sort of diplomas hanging on that rock wall behind you, but there, there might as well be uh, a, a few. That's a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah, still all the same. I'm, I'm just saying that there should be a few, um, a few extra credentials after your name that aren't officially there. So yeah, the only credentials um, I have, honestly, are based on the amount of nightmares I've had about this whole thing for since 2008. Going, oh my god, what if? <laughs> right, right. Well, um, it's here now, and we're uh, we're, we're definitely paying paying attention to that. Yeah. So the the. The topic of the day, COVID-19, what matters, uh, how and why, or now and why. I suppose how might be part of the conversation too. Um, people have been hearing about what to do around this. People have a sense of what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, social distancing, wash your hands, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, all that sort of thing. But um, there's uh, there, there, there's just after talking with you a little bit about what this whole thing, this whole conversation today is going to be focused around, I think that there's a lot of information that people don't really know about how is they, they should comport themselves, how it is they actually need to get around in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, I'm staying at home, but sometimes I need to leave the spaceship and go out there and get food and then come back. So I think that's what, what you wanted to get into today was sort of illustrate some kind of uh, protocols. If that, is that the right word? Uh, yeah, protocols, practices, and things. And because the reality is most of us are sitting at home with our families and our kids and depending on how young your kids are it makes the most sense to me to present this information as if it's kind of a fun game you can play with your whole family because otherwise it's just a lot of facts which tend to lead the mind to a lot of consequences which tends to lead people to a lot of more nightmares (laughs) and uh, instead of going that way it uh it just makes more sense to to start with something playful so, well, and I, I think it's uh, it's perhaps more fun to describe, and I know on my part, if it's more playful, I'm more apt to pay attention. So, I'm all ears, to all two okay, of them. So, <laughs> if you don't mind being the 
12, 13, 14 year old who's probably being <laughs> tired of told what to do and but still embracing some of your inner child, if you can do your best, Anthony, to make sure you can imagine yourself as a younger person kind of getting into all of this. You want me to be immature? <laughs> Gee, that's going to be a stretch. <laughs> I want you to imagine there's an immature version of you over here away from the microphone that nods every once in a while that tells you it's still okay and having a bit of fun. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll, talking I'll, on the microphone, we might have to shut this thing off. I'll, I'll behave. So we know no fart jokes. Well, maybe 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 one or two, but see we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, okay, so step, step uh, one. I would like to change one. the term social distancing to. Uh, situational awareness. Situational awareness. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because what's the difference in your mind? So, and I really wish I could do accents well at all or a lot better, but human psychology and behavior is a really predictable thing in a lot of ways. And that's why we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. Whoever come up, came up with the term social distancing was either in a really bad mood or not thinking clearly at the time when they thought, let's call it social distancing, or they were directly, deeply thinking about how to create a very specific response in people. Hmm. So, the, so you're, su you're suggesting the word social distancing isn't uh, clearly taken in? I mean, people don't really, that they, they hear that, they think they know what it means, but they don't really? No, I'm saying that it's used because of a very predictable way people react to certain terms. Okay. So, now I'm going to pretend that I'm a really, really kind of punchy New Yorker. Okay. <laughs> Laugh away at my bad accents, right? <laughs> How many people in New York would actually listen to you if you said, everybody, you're supposed to stand six feet apart? Uh, well, not ever being in New York. Um, Let's just say there's going to be a lot of things coming off of chins and things coming up on hands and a lot of interesting street kind of hand signs like, hey, you can't tell us who to be men. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. A certain attitudes in the world, especially in the West, especially in certain cities uh, that are really kind of rough and tumble and intense, the first reaction people have to being told what to do is the opposite. And that's the same thing with younger people. I mean, how many times have your parents told you and your inner 14 year old, now, Anthony, I know you're not supposed to do that. And five minutes later, you're, ha ha ha. Right? You're doing it. Yeah. So when we, we say, don't do this thing that's a primate instinct that most of us are deeply enmeshed in needing for comfort, you've created this really weird schism in people's heads. So enough about that. I just think the idea of situational awareness is more precise because you are in a situation in your home. You and your family are in that situation in your home. If you get into your car and are driving to a store, there's a whole bunch of details about that situation and the awareness you need to successfully go from the car into the store, out of the store, back into your car, back into your house. Uh, it's a military term. So for all of the people who want to become on what I would call the healthy barriers team, go team. Um, the point of it is, is to make it kind of more like we're all playing kind of like a, I don't know, we, pe people used to play army when they were kids for fun, mm -hmm. you know, or good guys and bad guys. So for thinking about situational awareness as an individual, as a family, 
maybe as a community, uh, we, you and I are lucky to live in a community that's on top of about 90% of the things we need to. But we still have all of those people from proverbial New York of the adolescent world who are standing in groups of six and seven people on a street corner. And as people honk at them and make shooing noises, they just give the you know, appropriate gesture for we know everything go away. Right. Right. So we're not, that, that's why I say today is the day because today is the day our civilization, our culture, our community here, where even where we live, is starting to mandate some kind of re, re, repercussion for people who stay in crowds. Because that's the stupidest thing we could do in the context of situational awareness. And when you say situational awareness, um, all of a sudden you're putting some kind of responsibility on me to actually pay attention to where I am. At least that's what it sounds like. That's the point. As a, yeah. Um, but in, in, in a way where I actually might be more inclined to actually um, to do that as opposed to telling you what to do around telling me what to do. <laughs> well, there's another layer to this because the situation we're all in, if we want to think about it this way or not, is we're all in a situation in our particular country with our particular food supply and then our international food supply. And the people who are right now, you know, maybe hip deep in mud, rather gathering vegetables out of the ground so that people 10,000 miles away have food. And then we have all the people who um, I see every three or four days if I go into the store and they're behind these glass things and they're trying to deal with, you know, food and receipts and money and bags and stuff. And the situational awareness I have at every opportunity when I meet those people is to look them as clearly and kindly in the eyes and thank them mm. because they are the buffer between the situational awareness of us doing our best to keep it from spreading and absolute breakdown chaos in the yeah. sense of the stuff I've studied in the past. So we're not there. We're going to be fine, I think. But if we keep that situ situational awareness that on a global level, we're all kind of on a team sport. And right now, the best thing that we can be as team members is on the barrier-aware team <clears throat> to make sure we know how to not spread it to people who can't uh, survive it if it's really bad for them. There's elders, there's immune-compromised people. I'm concerned because I've damaged my hand from an industrial accident. I have two autoimmune diseases, although I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm not on the, the best chances to make it through this, right? So each of us has our own place on you know, how much we feel like I can get away with something and how much we really hope that person doesn't get away with something. Because mm -hmm. if you're down here and they're saying, whatever, let's go drink it with our friends in the park then people down here are not a part of these people's situational awareness, right? So if we can take just three weeks from today or tomorrow, and I know everyone's going to start throwing things at the screen when they see this, because they all, a lot of people think, I'm nine days in, I'm six days in. It's like, yeah, this really starts to count when everyone starts to actually ante in and start being aware that that situational awareness, standing in groups on street corners, uh, is you're, you're just asking for more chaos and more months of this. So mm -hmm. if you don't like it, then become a barrier team member, do your job two to three weeks. The whole thing is going to clear itself off in parts of the world that are that far ahead. There are places in the world that don't even have testing. So not to mention neighbors and stuff, but um, we, we really have to, as an international community, become situationally aware that, Everybody needs to get tested as soon as they show symptoms. Everybody needs at least three weeks of food. If you don't have that, start reaching out. 
if you already have three weeks of food, don't try and hoard for more until everybody else has three weeks. Mm -hmm. That's just a good community-minded situational awareness. Right. Um, when, you, when you talk about um, uh, people complaining or throwing things at the screen about being so far along the line, um, I think it's important for people to understand uh, exactly um, what they're doing uh, when um, they break out of their, their sort of little bubble. Yeah. Um, if I'm six weeks or six days into some sort of a self quarantine and if I go out, um, then all of a sudden I'm breaking that bubble. I'm going beyond that barrier that I'm in. Um, and it, I guess, I guess my point on that is I'm excited to hear some kind of a, if it's the right word, playful or more fun approach to how I should actually, uh, be conducting myself out there. Um, and playing with others, if I can use that word, uh, at this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ex well, exactly. I mean, that's the, that's the recipe. It's like, okay, yeah. um, what's, uh, what's, what's the recipe that you're, that you're, you're laying down for us today? Well, at around... first I'd like to play it out like a game. So let's yeah. say, and if you don't like science fiction movies or anything <clears> like that, you're going to have to use your imagination a bit more, but let's say that we're all living on Mars and Mars okay. is a bit different than it is now because we're making up a story. And all of us live in what we would call a hab, a habitation module. Okay. <clears throat> so you're in your hab with the people you're in there with. I'm in the hab that I'm in with my son. And he actually got here just a couple of days ago on a plane. So I'll use that as an example for something in a minute. So what we really want to do first is make sure your hab is completely clean. Surfaces, people, clothes, everything else. And uh, I'll, I'll come back to that as, as an example of, of when someone comes home. So outside of your home or your hab is Mars. Now, if you're lucky to have a Mars vehicle like a car, then you have to make the distinction if you want to have your car either a part of your hab in the sense that you clean it on the inside meticulously every time you go and come back from wherever you go, or you decide that your car is Mars. And you don't clean your car because you're allowed to, you've decided that that's just not worth the trouble. And depending on if you're going to pick someone up that's high risk, then that decision may become more serious. But anyway, on Mars, if you do or you don't have a rover or some kind of vehicle, you just have to make the decision if you want to actually have that as a part of your hab or as a part of Mars. And then anytime you go into a store, you're on Mars with a lot of Martians. Hmm. Now, I don't know if you got the memo from Mars on this, Anthony, but Martians have these really interesting gerbils that they wear all over their body, and they can jump three feet. What a coincidence. It's a funny thing about Mars. It's, it's like maybe they had a pandemic some long time ago, and the virus <laughs> got big enough to look like a gerbil. Who knows? But the important part is we all want to stay three feet apart because Martians play this nonstop game of gerbil tag. They think it's fun. You know, how close can I get? Can my gerbil tag you without your gerbil tagging? So there's a bit of play with that, but we're actually not Martians. We have to stay as far away from people who look like they're crowding because there's just too many gerbils in the air, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's sort of a goofy image, but if we can all play out, we want to have a really good, uh, you know, habitation module or hab, home. We want to make sure our car is or is not cleaned after use so that it is safe for people who may or may not be protected in some way. And we know that anytime we go into any store with people in it, any place you're going to get food, 
Um, I don't even know what else is open. There's so few things that are still open. <clears throat> but they would be usually considered as essential services. But they're, again, on Mars. Covered right. in people, covered in gerbils. <laughs> right. So your, um, your clean sterile, hopefully, uh, hab module, yep. uh, where you don't need to wear your spacesuit. And then as soon as you go out the door, you're in outer space. You're on Mars. You need to wear the spacesuit. Like the, it's, it's, it's that kind of idea that you're really trying to make it clear. Yeah. So I'll, I'll speak to the last thing that I did that I think has a lot to do with barriers. Because again, we're trying to get the healthy barriers team. Maybe we should get a tattoo or a patch or something for people. So uh, two days ago, I drove to pick up my son. And he had been on two airplanes and then in a car with someone for about two and a half hours. Wow. Okay. okay. So that's a lot of Martians on one plane and the airport and the people in the airport and then the second airport and the people in the airport and the second airplane. Right. And this isn't about my son. This is just about what we would all be dealing with if we were moving from point A to B, right? Mm -hmm. So when, you know, my son got, I got to pick him up. Um, what we, you know, what I had done is clean the car as best that I can because I wasn't sure if he was going to have a mask or gloves on and stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> sorry, I don't know if you heard that. Um, so the thing that's important is that as soon as we got out of the car, you know, we brought everything down to the front door, luggage, you know, some food that he had and things like that. And we left it on the porch. Mm. So if, if I had all my stuff in and I could fit it into this environment, I'd be wearing it right now. But what I had on was a full parka with a big furry hood. Now, the fur lining on those hoods isn't just about looking like you're from up north. Right? It's a mild wind barrier, but because of the electrostatic forces inside of hair when wind goes by it, it becomes one of the best things to capture viruses. Mm. Right? Some stuff lasts tens of thousands of years because it stops people from dying from viruses and gets handed on to their family as a good idea. So I apologize to the people who hate the idea of people having any kind of fur or fake fur around their head. But for most people, that's probably in some ways safer than relying on a mask. Right? right. So there my son and here's me we're standing at the door i have all my gloves on and everything like that i pop open the door and we both take off our coats and, and then we walk you left them outside yep and then uh we put money and phones on the table right by the door because they're mm -hmm. from mars mm -hmm. right well they've been to mars recently so they're they may or may not be martians <laughs> Look, i can't the gerbils are kind of they're, they're invisible anyway so then the next thing is to, uh, especially for my son having been on a plane, is to take off their clothes, put them in the laundry, and go have a really strong hot shower with real bar soap that's something your grandparents would use that's made from fat and lye. Because it's the most effective thing, which is why it's been around for 10,000 years as the best kind of soap. Right. I know new things are cool, but sometimes old things are a lot cooler. <laughs> And then uh, I'll talk about hand washing at some point, but I just asked him to scrub yourself head to toe and get it in your hair. And that's actually the hardest sell I have with most people is putting bar soap in their hair. Right. Well, I don't have that problem. But just, well, there's, there's, <laughs> there's probably five other people that'll see this, so you never know. They may like products. Right. 
So then when you get all lathered up, then you just step away from the water in your shower and just keep lathering your body because you want to have that friction in those bubbles and something called surface tension mechanics, which blah, blah, Martian word, for making sure that the, any viruses on your body that are just sticking to you, especially around your face and in your hair, are completely gone. And then come out of the shower, dry yourself off, take that towel, put it in the laundry, do the laundry put on fresh clothes mm. so you're, you're basically leaving mars uh, at the door and then um washing whatever residual uh martian mars gerbils. martian gerbils yeah <laughs> it's silly but funny uh washing those gerbils down the drain yeah, yeah. and then and then you can uh put on your uh your daytime pajamas uh for, for a while you're in the hab yeah and then, <clears throat> while he was doing that, I was washing down his luggage, um, uh, keeping the money and you know stuff like that over there. He decided to wash his own cell phone, which he would have to wear gloves to because it's still Mars. Mm. Uh, I usually keep my money in a Ziploc bag, and I only reach into it when uh, when I'm wearing my Mars uh, gloves, so I can whatever I'm touching in the world or in my little bag of cash or you know cards. Uh, I just consider that an outside. Um, part part of my life because that's where things get really messy for people, and, mm -hmm. so, and in fact, some places don't uh, accept cash anymore. But even that, the dirtiest place at the cash register is the place where everyone puts their card in. So you should have gloves on any time you're working with any aspect of money, no matter what, because mm -hmm. journalists well, I, love money like everybody else. Uh, I, I know people, you know, even uh, BC before Corona, uh, you know, as they work at a till, they wear their little rubber gloves. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine was doing that just because he was reacting to whatever it was that was on the till tape. Um, so, well, there's anyway, actually, yeah, well, we could get into that another day. That's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, okay. The, the, the idea of actually, uh, yeah, and I mean, then, then you wash all your doorknobs and then you wash all your luggage. Right. And you wash all the other stuff you bring into your house before it comes into your house. I usually like to leave my parka out in the sun for about an hour or two in the day if I remember to do so, because sunlight is a really great way to eradicate the virus as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're having kind of your, your Mars suit outside and your regular clothes on the inside, that's great. Not everyone lives where I do in the middle of nowhere, where I don't have neighbors walking by, so I can leave things of value in my backyard without people ever seeing them. So... Everything is in the context of where you are and what's going to work for you. Well, it, it just it just really um, strikes me clearly in my mind as you know those scenes in sci-fi movies where you know uh, they're out there in outer space and then they got to come into some little small spot and the door locks behind them and there's a door between them and the inside where they have to get out of their spacesuit or decompress or um, that 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 whole um, uh, airlock, I think, is the word. You yeah. Know? So most of us don't have a vestibule in our house big enough, or an airlock in our house big enough to do that. So you have to kind of make that your front porch. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel comfortable leaving things on your porch, then you want to clean it all off as best you can, and then put it somewhere where hopefully it's going to get sunlight. You know, during in the morning, if 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 possible. And if not, just get in the habit of cleaning things. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to living in the hab, if you're not going anywhere for a few days, then the best thing you can do every morning is wake up and have a shower as if you just got back from somewhere. So really hot, 
bar soap, lather yourself like crazy, including your hair. You can fix it later, right? And then get all lathered up and then step back and then just try in many bubbles, get as many bubbles as you can on as many surfaces as you can in between the surfaces we like to call cracks as you can so that as a good person on the Healthy Barriers team, you've gotten that soap everywhere we can just on the off chance that there might be something sitting on you. Uh, we call it now SARS-CoV-2 in the sense of what the actual vector of this thing is. Um, it's technically airborne, but more technically moisture-borne. So you're going to get it you know, like if someone coughs in your face and stuff. But it can also sit on things like your keyboard, like your phone, like the keypad at the grocery store. And if you're not being really mindful about that, even if you're wearing gloves and you you know, you, you touch that and then you get in your car and you rub your forehead in some instinctual sigh of, I'm going to make it back to my hab. And now your forehead may be covered in 92 people's Martian dribble stuff. <laughs> yeah, and you may or may not have washed that properly. Anyway, so it's just to get into the habit, you know, at least for the first three or four days coming home, just be aware of those Martian gerbils. They're really tricky. They're just, they're, they sneak behind your ear. They like to find places and, you know, and just in the sense that we want to be as, uh, playful and and on top of the the places that are often easily missed so if you're a person coming home from travel for the first four days at least once if not twice a day have a full body full soap stand there away from the water lathering yourself like you're trying to become frosty the snowman or something <clears throat> wash it all off and then if you want to be like even like the next level of a healthy barriers you know member um, then I would say go hot, cold, hot, cold with your shower a couple of times to make sure you're innervating your uh, nervous system in a really good way. But we also want to make sure that we're taking care of the part of us that's going to become the most susceptible if we get the actual COVID virus. And we'll come back to that later. But I'm just trying to help people get a sense that everything we do layers into a complete strategy of like 99.9% .9 not going to get anything mm -hmm. if you're on top of every detail. Right. Well, I mean, that's, uh, that's all well and good for um, uh, an example of somebody coming out of, in this case, an airplane and a, and a vehicle and that sort of stuff. But it also, I guess that applies to everyday life. I mean, I've been in quarantine to a certain extent, and I've been out shopping once or twice. So every time I go out there, I need to pay attention to all that. And as a procedure, when I come back into my, my little uh, earth bubble or um, space bubble over here, so for people who are using their imagination while you're watching this, imagine you're opening your front door. Don't do that right now, but just imagine you're opening front door. And because this is a science fiction kind of playful metaphor, there's this magic shield that you can reach your hands through and it's going to cover you in something that's going to make sure you're completely in like a spacesuit. Because that's what we mean by a barrier. There's mm. literally a a force field in your mind that when you move through that barrier, you're moving to the outside. And when you move back through that barrier, you're moving back to the inside. Cause again, we don't have that, you know, airlock you were talking about. So when I get ready for that, before I open my door, I put on my parka with my big furry hood. I put on my rubber gloves. I make sure I'm wearing full length shirts that are like uh, covering as much of me as I can socks, shoes and, and everything. Then I go out and get in my truck and I go to the store. I stay like everyone else lined up six feet apart with our little grocery carts outside of the store until we're allowed in the store because where we live, we're on top of it to that degree. There's mm -hmm. only allowed a certain number of people in the store. <coughs> Make sense? Yeah, 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 exactly. 
So I go into the store and given what the rationing kind of situation looks like, I'm going to get the things that I want to make sure I'm always three weeks ahead. Not much more than that, but I want to always stay three weeks ahead. Because I don't want to dip into that three weeks and, until I actually have to. <laughs> so I get whatever I need. And again, I'm very careful with the, the way I cash out. And I'm very friendly. And I'm always very, very grateful to the people who stand there all day, every day, having people stare at them like they're a Martian covered in dribbles. Right? Because <laughs> sort of a goofy metaphor, but you can just see them. People are just like, ah, I, I, I got to just stand here and, and do this. It's my job. So I always try and have that meaningful real, like moment with those people because that seems to be the, the, the healthy barrier thing to do. So then I get everything back into my truck, drive them home, I bring my groceries home, and I usually sit them in a very specific place. And then I'm going to go with my gloves on and take off my coat, take off my shoes. And depending on how close I've been to a lot of other people or how much I've bumped into things or how much my groceries may have, you know, you know, interact with my clothes instead of my cart, I may or may not go through the full thing of strip down, washing machine, shower, towel and washing machine, rinse, dry, done. Or I might just take my clothes off and put them near the washing machine for the next time I do laundry. Or if I haven't actually interacted with anybody, I've just gone for a walk in the park, I'll come back. Same thing with the outside barriers, gloves, take off the coat, take off the gloves, come inside. And then I'm not too worried about gerbils at all. Mm -hmm. But I have to have that little ritual. When I get to my door, I'm like, I go inside, I open the door, I take off my coat, I peel off the coat, put it on the ground, take off my gloves, do that. Oh, I missed two steps. Bad barrier team. <clears throat> I'm going to go back two seconds. Here I'm in my coat and my gloves. I got my groceries. I open the door, groceries on the ground, cell phone over here, money, Ziploc bag over there, coat off, gloves off go inside, make the decision whether or not I need to change my clothes. If I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. If I need to shower, I do. And if I don't, I don't. Then it's time to deal with the groceries in which I put on a new set of gloves because I don't know what's all over the groceries. And if I need to wash my vegetables, which is usually a good idea. If I want to wipe down anything that's in packaging, that's probably a good idea. And then I can take, take all of that cleaning material and put it into a, you know, my little bag of gerbils <laughs> you know where i get rid of gloves and stuff like that and then i can go about my day because as far as i'm concerned the hab is clean mm. so let me just stop you there for a sec um introducing things from uh mars the outside groceries and bringing them into the hab um you've taken the gloves off that you used outside replaced yep. them for gloves inside so you can handle those things again yep. you're, you're wiping them down Yep. That makes sense. What are you wiping them down with? Uh, old grandfather soap and water, honestly. Mm. Yeah, because uh, I can get into the physics of it with without a chart or a chalkboard, but those soaps are made with fat and lye, and it creates this really interesting stretchy uh, kind of magnetic and anti-magnetic. You know, magnets like to stick together, but they push each other apart. Mm -hmm. There's something like that going on in that kind of soap that actually grabs onto and pulls apart the structure of the outside of the virus, which so just breaks down. I saw a video of somebody suggesting how to bring uh, groceries into the house. You know, you buy a box of cereal. So they, they had their, uh, their table surface. They wiped it down with some sort of disinfectant. Okay. It was a Lysol spray or something like that. 
and they put a big piece of tape down the middle of the table. They brought everything that was that was from Mars, and they put it on the one side of the table, and then they were transferring it over to the clean side. Yep. And they would take, uh, say, for example, a box of cereal. The outside of the box stays on the dirty side. The inside package hadn't been touched by anybody. That can go on the clean side. Right. Uh, they were taking bread out of the bags, and they were putting it into a container on the clean side. So they were transferring things over that way. But this guy used so much of that uh, disinfectant. I was, um, you know, personally, I'm not a big fan of any kind of uh, harsh chemistry or anything like that. No, uh, he uh, actually had paper towel that he soaked in this stuff, and he was wiping it all over everything like it was going out yeah, of style. I think that was the one that I'd watch a doctor unpack his groceries video. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't get past the fact that they weren't wearing gloves. Right. So, so some, like some, somewhere that... I'm just going to finish that. And I'm not, I don't even know this person at all, but the stuff we all call hand sanitizer, the 60% alcohol stuff, mm-hmm. is not in any way even close to the best possible idea. Alcohol has a very destructive impact on some parts of this, but it also has a barrier based on, based on where you uh, rub it and don't. And your body's oil naturally wants to replace the oil you've ruined with the alcohol. So now you have your oil plus your gerbils minus up to the line where the alcohol is and the dead gerbils, which may or may not be completely dead. Mm. Right? Okay. So not to mention now the barrier between where you have normal oil and where you don't is almost like an invisible striation in your skin where if there are something trying to crawl into your skin, it would get that in there better. That's not a big vector for COVID, but it's just to say we're doing something that's kind of half thought out. Right. And we better gloves, clean yourself off afterwards so that nothing is left to guess. So I saw that video, but I didn't watch the whole thing because he wasn't wearing gloves. But I really like that idea of taking things out of packaging and putting them into some other kind of packaging and then just getting rid of the packaging. Because I hear there's these Martian gerbils around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I'd be inclined to use something like uh, double strings vinegar or anything other than a uh, hardcore disinfectant, but I guess that's everyone's own preference. I'm, I was kind of, um, you know, I don't know what's worse, um, eating Lysol or having Martian gerbils, but <laughs> uh, maybe that's a conversation for another day. Um, so th- this whole process of actually uh, getting in and out the door and sort of making the sort of distinct wall around you and, you know, the outside um, is, it sounds pretty, um, I get that idea. Paints it inside my head. Yeah, but you know, Solid line between Mars and your hat. Right. And, and is, is, there, is there any more that we need to be doing on, um, once we've been sort of in our hat? Uh, like after you go through that whole process, is that something that you want to talk about as well? Yeah. So when you're in the hab, you want to wash your clothes every day. And if you're just back from somewhere, you also want to wash your sheets every day. Mm. Just for a few days, just because it's well, that first four days is when things are the most likely to kind of uh, have an unexpected error of what we're doing. But if you've got your hab figured out in the sense your home is isolated, in the sense of medical barriers on the healthy barriers team um, and you're staying home for a few days and I would try and encourage anyone to stay at home three days, four days in a row once you have things you need. But even if you're staying at home and you're in your hab, wash your hands with soap, 
wash your face with soap, wash your beard and your hair, if you don't wash your hair a lot, the rest of the day, four times a day. After every meal, after any time you go looking for something in a part of the house you haven't wiped down with everything, at least once or twice a day, wipe down the surfaces you use the most often. Keyboards, phones, stoves, knobs, uh, doorknobs, the knobs on your um, stove, the knobs on your washing machine, anything you're going to just unconsciously put your hands on. Wash down your laundry detergent bottles. Just make it kind of like a game. And because mm -hmm. we're doing this with respect to younger people, it can be a game. Who wants to get rid of the Martian gerbils in the kitchen? And then, then we can all be wiping stuff off with the right, the right kind of things. And, you know, a good high ammonia um, cleaner is a good idea. Soap and water is always a good idea. <laughs> it's got to be real soap. And um, if you can do that and get clear on the barriers between going back and forth between the store and you can maintain your situational awareness around the gerbil tag game for the next three weeks starting as of today we are probably going to avoid the martial law side of things when the government starts to say um, and by the way this is based on my studies of pre pre previous catastrophes i'm not suggesting that in 2020 we're all in risk of some really horrible thing happening but we are obviously um i'm just aware that uh most governments during this kind of a pandemic if it gets bad enough they will basically put everyone into quarantine and then they will do kind of block by block times for stores you know like when in the summer you're only allowed to water your lawn once a week on a thursday because of your side of the street or something like that They'll set up the same thing for, okay, people in this part of town can shop on Tuesday morning. You guys can shop on Wednesday afternoon because that will be enforced by martial law if we don't get this figured out now mm -hmm. as a situationally aware population across the world. I think that they're already um, instigating some levels of uh, um, enforcement. Uh, I saw some some videos and some uh, some blog posts uh, showing how they're doing that in, in Italy. Um, yeah, and and in the U.S., they have the National Guard showing up to help out in uh, Seattle, Washington, and New York, and California. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I don't just, think that's technically martial law. I'm just saying, notice that however we want to think about our governments, you know, and about some kind of oppressive parent or really, really helpful mom or something, at some point they're going to get in a really bad mood. And they have a lot of people on their side to tell us that's enough. So uh, I don't think that's going to happen. We're in Canada. We're way ahead of the game here on a lot of levels. But we also have crowds of people who think they're invincible or something because they just stand there in groups on street corners and you know give various gestures when people try and remind them, oh, my God, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And uh, the next thing that usually happens sort of in between now and the actual people getting like monetary citations or fines um, is when people start using their phones as now I'm the police. Now, that might seem like, well, whatever, but from the psychology of polarization and us versus them in a situation like this, that's the worst thing that could happen where citizens will actually do the reporting or uh, calling people out, um, you mean on film or on video rather? People are already doing that, yeah. Yeah. 
I was listening yeah. to some call-in show with somebody, and the person actually called in and said, I keep going to the park to walk my dog, and I see all these young people gathered around, you know, the, the little kids' toys, and they're all smoking and talking and hanging out and hugging and smooching and dancing to music and doing what teenagers always do, and should I call the police? And uh, this is actually to the, the head of BC Health, who's running our pandemic kind of protocol. And her, I, I love it. Her, her first thing is, we should probably start by being patient and consider reasons like they may already all live in the same house, maybe, or whatever. But at the same time, you know, it's not our job to, you know, yell at these people or tell them what to do. But at some point, it is going to get to a place where we will have to disrupt these things from happening uh, if we can't keep the curve flat enough, right? Mm -hmm. That's sort of the whole dance. So the biggest thing to start people off with is this is all about barriers. And the biggest barrier you want to start with is the barrier of your house, your doors, and where you go to get your supply. The next series of barriers I want to get into, and I'm not sure if it's um, if we've gone on too far today, would be to go through the different barriers of your immune system in the sense of how you can protect yourself from picking things up in general, how you can respond to what happens if you pick up the virus in the mucus uh, aspect of the, the of your immune system in your lungs, and then what you may try to do if you actually get the virus inside the cells of your lungs, because the scariest part about COVID-19 as a virus is it tends to lodge itself between where all your alveoli, all the little miniature microscopic bits of your lungs reach in to all of the little microscopic blood vessels from your heart. So you have to have this gas exchange going between your breath and your blood. And this is something that transp transpositions oxygen molecules onto red blood cells. So pretty microscopic in the sense of what gerbils really look like. Now, the people who have had the most problems with this in the sense of catastrophic outcomes and or death are the people who already have pre-existing lung conditions and or pre-existing cardiovascular conditions that make this amazing little network of interaction uh, even more compromised when it gets attacked by the virus. So I don't know if we have time today because I wasn't paying attention to the clock. We can do this again tomorrow, give people a day to get their hands around, ha, 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 you know, how to get their hands clean and everything like that. And I might do a quick pantomime for hand washing if people want me to do that before we go. Um, but I think what would be good is maybe tomorrow is we could meet again similar time and uh, just, you know, actually walk through the how, what, and why, what uh, supplements, what strategies, what um, kind of treatments people can do at home depending on what layer or barrier you feel you may have actually bumped into the Martian, you know, gerbil phenomena. Well, and that's actually pretty in detail and there's a lot of do's and don'ts with all that. And then the last thing I want to talk about, which may be a few days from now, it depends on how long it takes to get this. There's no hurry because we're all barrier ninjas, right? Um, <laughs> More than enough time on my hands right now, Michael. What's that? More than enough time on my hands right now. Okay. Um, so anyway, the last thing I want to talk about is actually what to buy for food and why in the sense of long-term storage and, and, and health and also the things you want to make sure you can keep access to as long as you still have access to them and all that stuff. So maybe it should be like a two or three or four part series, but, uh, well, I, I like the idea of having this uh, being an ongoing conversation because number one, it's an ongoing conversation and number two, it's a lot to take in. I mean, for people to actually wrap their minds around the idea of, you know, me in the hab and out there's Mars and out there's a bunch of leaping 
<laughs> gerbils, <laughs> Martian gerbils. Um, that's uh, that's a, that's a lot to take in, uh, you know, for people to actually well, navigate also, themselves. Also, because we couldn't get this to facilitate a Facebook Live thing where we could answer questions as we're doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure once we post this video up, there may be a bunch of questions below the video, so we can address them in the next video or maybe directly on the thing. But I wanted to do a quick yeah. little pantomime yep. of washing your hands, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. What do you sing? Or do you sing? Um, I just use uh, like a... So I'm an acupuncturist as one of my gigs. And we have to wash our hands up to 20 times a day for days every week, for weeks every year, for now 25 years. I'm, I'm surprised I actually still have hands. <laughs> well, the way, the, the, way, the way the monitors are re reflecting up on them, mine look like they might be kind of pinky brownie. Yours yeah, look right. like they might be kind of overexposed in white. <laughs> so what's, the, what's the, uh, the pantomime then? Okay, so you start with a bar of soap, and what you want to do is get as much lather between your hands to the point where it actually seems like it's too much. Okay. Right. So then when you put the soap over somewhere, the first thing you want to do is be a worried bear. Okay. So I'm a worried bear and I'm wringing my hands and I'm wringing my hands and I'm wringing my hands and I got to wring them in every possible way because bears spend a lot of time hibernating. You know, when they start thinking about stuff, they got a lot of things to think about. So you're just two bear paws rubbing like crazy. And the okay. next thing is to play the piano. <laughs> okay. Picture of a bear a playing keys, a piano. And here's me rubbing my fingers between the piano keys this way, and then this way, and then this way, and this way, and then this way, and then this way. And it's a bit redundant, but why not be redundant? It's a pandemic, right? But if you think of your fingers like piano keys and you just try and get every possible front and back uh, looking <clears> you can get, you get every service, right? So we got yep. worried bears. Got to do that. What was the next one? Playing the piano. Playing the piano. So you do the piano parts. Really, really good. Next one is do the kitty cat. <laughs> the kitty cat where you scrub Trying to get as much soap into your fingernail beds as you can. If you have long nails, please cut them off. It's really not helping you. <laughs> right. So you do the little kitty cat to get your fingernails into your palm bed to get as much stuff in there as you can. So it's 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 your your fingernails just up against the the palm of your hand kind of thing. Yeah, and you're my just... palm is a bowl, and it's right now full of suds. I want my little kitty claws to go right into that bubble of soapy bubbles and mm -hmm. dig around in circles, so I can actually feel like I'm a cat scratching around on the inside of that bowl to okay. get as much soap into my fingernails as I can. Okay. And then a little bit more worried bear because it's always fun to be there. And then I do the motorcycle. <laughs> Which is rubbing. Each finger gets, rum, 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 and you can make the noise. It's really fun. Because again, we're trying to help the kids get on top of this without feeling like there's a scary thing. It's just a Martian gerbil game where you get to play with different animals and a little bit more worried bear. And then wash your face and your hair if you can, but especially your beard really, really well to where anything could have gotten to. Rinse it off, rinse it off. You know, a good two or three times. Towel is towel, towel. Towel goes in laundry with everything else. We're all going to be doing a lot more laundry for a while. Mm. Wow, that's a pretty cool thing. The the, the version of the the hand washing um, uh, that I know, um, I saw this on a video 
um, the person put uh, white latex gloves on, and yeah, then I that all over the place. That was a good one. Yeah, and then they they, they 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 took black paint and washed their hands with the black paint, so you could actually see the contrast between where the paint actually was and it wasn't. And every step, you know, the worried bear, piano keys, and the the like the cat scratching and all that kind of stuff. Um, you could see progressively the hand, uh, the the white latex over the hand became covered in black ink, and by the time they were done, the white latex gloves were thoroughly black, meaning their hands were totally washed. It was amazing. I looked at that and was like, "Wow, yep. <laughs> why didn't I know this other times in my life?" Yeah, <laughs> why is so, so we all wanted to make it a game, just make it a fun game. And believe me, if you go through bears and um, oh, sorry, I just banged the screen. Uh, if we all go through the worried bears, we go through the cats, we go through the motorcycles, we go through the pianos. And even if you take a moment and step back and just do the surgeon dance for a second, just to let the soap do its job without any interference, mm -hmm. then you wash your hands off. And I don't know if you can see that my face is a bit red here. Mm, I don't know if it's any more than usual, but I'll take your word for it. The video camera doesn't really show it that well. Okay. Uh, I didn't recognize that my face was usually red. But anyway, uh, I purposely left the soap on my face a bit longer today because I wanted to have a little bit of a soap tan. Which means I'm... <laughs> well, I was just going to say that I have a tan all the time anyway. <laughs> so what's, what's a soap tan? It means that I've left the soap on long enough that it's going to break down every kind of membrane that's like gerbils and COVID stuff. But it's also going to irritate the, the protective lipid layer of my skin so I know that it's penetrated in there and gotten to pores and other things as well. So mm -hmm. I don't do that very often but every once in a while, you know, if you use this soap and you leave it on for a couple of minutes, you'll actually go like, wow, I feel my skin has been affected chemically in a way. Right. And in a really good way at this situation. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that's a good thing yeah. to, to know that your body's doing what it's supposed to. Um, so, situational awareness from today, March the 26th, we have 21 days based on all of the research I've done on catastrophes in the past. Also based on what's working in some places in the world and what's not working in some places in the world that still drops people off in Canada without any restrictions at all, like say the US, who have somehow ended up very far behind everybody else on all of this. I'm not saying that with judgment. I'm just saying, okay, well, now we have people who don't really believe in the Martian dribble thing landing in Canadian cities. So until we really start to lock down, you know, environments where people can actually have predictable interactions with how much is out there, we still haven't really started. But I'm, we're getting to that tipping point now where, again, when governments start saying we will start breaking up crowds and we will start refining you, now at least the math is going to start shrinking consistently mm -hmm. if we're lucky and if we're smart. Right. Uh, well, I think the the uh, the conversation needs to go from here, as as we said, um, into a more um, complicated direction or more informative kind of direction. The next conversation will be about how to protect your immune system from out here, from in, inside your mucus, inside the cells of your lungs, and to protect your vascular system as well. Here's some mm -hmm. hints. Sugar and alcohol and crappy food are not helping you at all. Breathing right. deeply. I'd actually like to do a breathwork session and then at one of our little talks to show people how to do a certain kind of breathwork which mobilizes the connective tissue uh, and introduce, improves 
uh, improves a certain hormone that actually helps your vascular system uh, get stronger. And there's a few other technical reasons why, but if you do get it and you're told you have it, doing this breathwork kind of practice every day will probably keep you from being one of the people on a ventilator. I can't guarantee that. These are not construed to be medical treatments to cure diseases, but it's just a mechanical thing about keeping that sort of area of your lungs as big, as long, as thick, and as juicy, and as growing and healthy as possible from today until this thing's on memory. Mm -hmm. Well, that's uh, not good on the whole idea of this thing being a memory. Yep, um, it's going to be. The conversation will continue. Uh, let's, let's aim to do this. Um, as often as possible. Uh, the intention right now is to do this daily. Um, and uh, certainly life may get in the way, but uh, tune in to um, uh, tune in next time. Same bad time, same bad channel. Yeah, so this will be up on the Autoimmune Health Solutions um, Facebook page and the Autoimmune Health Solutions YouTube channel. Right. So um, if you like what you heard, share this around. Have you got any questions? Uh, reach out to us on the Facebook page. Comments below, I guess, the video as you're seeing this. And uh, we'll see you in the next one.